and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is September 3rd, and your Nittany Lions are 1-0 after a dominant performance against the Idaho Vandals. My name is Chris, joined by my co-host, Pat. Pat, how are you feeling? Week 1. Feeling pretty great after that game. Uh, I'd be feeling better if it was 79 nothing, but, you know, we, mistakes happen. We will get to that. That one, that one touchdown, man. Um, so yeah, we, we, we dominate an FCS team, which is what should have happened, right? This is exactly what we talked about in our preview. They are truly a tier below. This is not just a bad, you know, big 10 team or a bad conference USA team. Even this is truly a tier below and it should have been, should have been a blowout. And it was, um, so we got a lot to cover today. Um, if you are a new listener, the way we do our show, uh, we kind of change it up here and there, but, uh, some things that are consistent, we're going to give out some awards each week. We give out our lion and our lamb. So the Lion is the most valuable player, Lamb is least valuable player, and obviously we're not trying to shit on guys, but then you got to talk about the bad stuff too. Um, so we'll go through those. Uh, we'll take a look at the rest of the Big Ten, give out a Big Ten baller and a Big Ten bozo of the week. Those are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, and then we'll kind of just run through the game. Um, last year we did we did a lot of good, bad, ugly, um, but Pat, we were just talking about this. It gets kind of repetitive. Seems like a lot of the blogs on Twitter are doing that now, so we're we're gonna change it up a little bit this season. We'll have we'll have some fun. We'll have some things coming, but uh, yeah, lots to talk about this game. So um, let's start with this. We stay at number fifteen in the poll. AP poll came out today. Uh, thoughts, expectations. What you uh, what did you expect when the poll came? out? I thought we'd move up a spot or two just because like how many points we put up and because Oregon lost, but guess not. Yeah, and I'm kind of okay with it. Like. Auburn Doesn't jumped. Really make a difference. Auburn jumped way high, um, and Oregon dropped actually right behind us to 16. Um, but yeah, it really doesn't doesn't matter. And I think that's something that like is super important to remember now in this day and age of the college football playoff. Like AP poll doesn't mean shit. Like college football committee selection committee at the end of the day, it's 13 people. They select who the top four are, and like that's all that matters. So. Sure, it's indicative. It's probably going to be fairly close to what the CFP committee thinks, but it's week one. I don't give a shit. We're 15. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this early in the season, it really doesn't matter what you're ranked. Exactly. But what does matter is our bets and how we did. So let's take a look at that. If you remember on our preview show, uh, when we spoke, the line was about 39 and a half. It actually closed at 42, which is crazy. Um, but we both took that, right? We both said they're going to dominate. Um, where we differed is you, my friend, took the under. I did. Life I is too short to take the under, my man. Uh, a, lot of people, a lot of people were giving me shit for saying sixty-six to three. Shout out Rachel Wallen. Um, yeah, but it's just it it happened. Seventy-nine points is insane, and honestly, it could have and probably should have been more. We probably should have put an eighty burger up, um, but that's incredible. So, so after week one, Pat is one and one on his bets, and your boy. Over here, Chris Hankin, 2-0, uh, let the record yeah. show. I didn't even mean to rhyme, and I did. Wow, that was nice. <laughs> All right, so let's start with our awards. Um, like I said, sometimes we'll do these at the end, sometimes we'll do them at the beginning. But I think for, for this one, week one, let, let's start them at the top. Um, so like I said, we got a lion, a lamb. Who is your lion for week one? Don't, KJ Hamler. Oh. Uh, two touchdowns, leads the team in receiving yards. Had some really, really good punt returns despite – I'm clearly trying to kick away from him with like that rugby, rugby style punt. Uh, I mean, the kid just balled out. Yeah, he had a, he had a great showing, and and this is something we talked about all off season when we were trying just to fill the void of like not having football. We kept talking about how good KJ Hamler's going to be in year two, and, and he looked the part. And you know, we'll talk a little bit more in depth in the offense, but looked crazy receiver. They had him in as a jet sweep. He was returning punts. I mean. Kids all over the field and, and great performance. So, yeah, it's a pretty good pick for the Lion. Um, there's a lot of options this week. Like, there's right. so many guys doing good things. Um, I went a little unconventional with my pick for Lion. Um, almost thought about going to Yitor. He's my guy. Man crush. Had an incredible game. Um, almost thought about going to the whole running back committee because they had an incredible game. Uh, but I decided to pick out one guy who realistically probably won't ever have a chance to win this award again. And it's Nick Yuri. Like, yeah, all right, kid, man, that run 10 yards out broke maybe 37 tackles just At would least. not be denied. If you don't know, and I mean, you absolutely have to know because the story was all over after the game. He is uh, fifth on the depth chart. He's a walk on running back. 
doesn't ever play in games, right? And this this was a game where we are blowing people out. We had multiple walk-ons. Like that that offense was led by Michael Schuster, walk-on quarterback, and Nick Yuri, walk-on running back. And the reaction from the sidelines, the reaction from alumni on Twitter were like so happy for this kid that he scored. It was just it was incredible. Like that's a moment that like you're just not gonna get again, and I think it was super, super cool. Uh, Saquon tweeted at him like Yuri, he was super pumped. Yeah, um, and it wasn't even like an easy one yard out. Just going like hey, that was an impressive run. Like he, like I watched it back many, many times. Like he genuinely made some really nice moves, and then like when he got to the like three or four yard line, it was just sheer willpower at that point. He was like, I'm not going down. Yeah. If you're not gonna tackle me, I'm scoring this touchdown. Um, I thought it was really funny too. Is like there were a bunch of players like started running on the field to celebrate, and Franklin like got in the zone, pushing people back. He was like holding Clifford back, like get on the sideline, get on the sideline. Just shows like Franklin's like a nut job in that sense, which I love. Right, it's the little things you gotta gotta make sure you're yeah. always taking care of it. But yeah, I thought that was a really cool moment. Um, I don't think we're gonna talk about Nick Yuri a lot on this show going forward. Um, Probably so not. he's my line. Yeah, shout out Nick Yuri. All right, the lamb. Uh, this is again least valuable. We're not we're not here to talk bad about guys, but you know you got to talk about it. And I think a theme last year was when we would give this award to guys. It was, hey man, we want to see you do better. We 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 are rooting yeah. for you. We love you. And a lot of times guys did pick it up. So uh, not a Thanks, lot of bad Jeff, to take out of this game. But your week one lamb, who you got? Um, it's you know it's unfortunately a guy I am a big fan of, uh, but he just he was really the only guy on the team that had a bad game. That's Matt Kippenhammer. Yeah. You know, two muffed punts. I don't think he had a single reception. Just didn't have a good game. Yeah, you know? exactly. No, he's the, he's the only one I have written down too, so we're going to have the same answer here. Yeah, the first muffed punt um, sucked because that led to the touchdown, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, we were, defense is pitching a shutout with, hell, third and fourth stringers in it at that point. Um, that's yeah. just something you hate to see. And then uh, the second one, yeah, he fields cleanly, but but coughs it up on the return. We did recover that one, um, but just not something you want to see. And and I do, it, it's, I don't know if strange is the right word, but it's almost ironic because Matt Kippenhammer is a star for the baseball team as well. So you almost figure like catching punts, catching fly balls, not exact same, of course, but there's some similarities in that, tracking a ball. So you would hope he's a little better in that sense. Um but we'll get to this when we talk about special teams. I am interested to see what that rotation of returners looks like and, and if this impacts that at all. Yeah. Um, but my lamb, since you took Mac, I'm actually going to go with the Idaho punter uh, because, and this is a cop-out because he's not on our team, but either he's the worst punter of all time or he was trying to play keep away from KJ, which is probably the more likely story. Um, it just pissed me off. All day, I wanted to see KJ break one. And you could see KJ was, like, getting frustrated, too. It's like, dude, just give me the ball. Like, there were ones he shouldn't really have returned, but he was trying just to make something happen. Um, yeah, for sure. It almost looked like the Idaho punter was, like, just trying to snipe our guys at one point. Like, just hit someone on our team, and hopefully they can recover. Um, so, yeah, he's my lamb of the week, uh, along with, with Matt Kippenhammer. Um, all right, we'll get into we'll get into the actual game in a second. But since we're doing awards, we're going to keep it rolling. People love awards. Let's go with our Big Ten awards. Do you have any for this week? Uh, I just have a ball. I don't really have a bozo for this That's week. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. That okay. crazy happened in the Big Ten. All right, what's your but Big I'm Ten baller? Jonathan Taylor put up like 130 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that was my. I mean, too. the guy's making a real strong case for the Heisman. He, he you know comes into the season as one of the Heisman favorites. And puts up a real strong case, especially after like I don't think many of the other Heisman frontrunners had great games. I know uh, what's his name, Trevor Lawrence, had a pretty terrible game. So I mean, Jonathan Taylor really, uh, really putting his mark in the beginning of the season. Yeah, he. I mean, he's a clear, clear pick for Big Ten Baller of the Week, prestigious honor that I know all the players are trying to get from this podcast. Of course. So uh, yeah, he had let's see, sixteen carries, one hundred and thirty-five yards, and two touchdowns along with two receptions, 48 yards, two touchdowns. So a perfect two-for-two two on his reception. Caught two balls, yeah, wow. took them both to the house. Pretty impressive. Um, yeah, he was my pick, too. I mean, there were some there were some good performances. Justin Fields had, had a really nice debut for Ohio State. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot this season, just as you know, a factor in, in that team. And, and, of course, when we get closer to Ohio State. But he had a really good game for them. Um, a couple other guys, Rondell Moore had a decent game for Purdue, but they blew it in the end and lost, so... Can't really give it to him. Um, but overall, a good showing for the Big Ten in week one. 
A um, lot of wins. I don't think many Big Ten teams lost, if any. Uh, no, Northwestern did. And Northwestern and Purdue. Northwestern or Purdue. Yep, yeah. I literally just said Purdue lost, and then I said, if any. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day, guys. Um, These things happen. But yeah, some some good performances. But yes, the answer is Jonathan Taylor. He is your Big Ten Baller of the Week. Um, so Big Ten Bozo of the Week. I actually have two. Uh, one is the real one. On one's me. an honorable mention. We'll start with the real one because the honorable mention will actually tie us into the game. Uh, the real one. It is Northwestern. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know which quarterback was in because uh, they had Hunter Johnson and some other guy play. But they're down ten seven. It's about thirty seconds left on the clock. Quarterback rolls out, is getting pressured, gets hit, fumbles the ball, rolls into the end zone. A big boy from Northwestern tries to dive on it, misses. Stanford dives on it, touchdown. They lose 17-7. to So one, you're a bozo just for making a terrible play and losing the game for your team. That's number one. Number two, you're a bozo because the line on this game, a lot of people had Northwestern plus six and a half. So, it's 10-7. All you have to do is lose the game 10-7, and those betters win. Even one, one step more, you fumble it, it goes into the end zone. If the big fella falls on it, it's a safety. You lose 12-7. You're still good, plus six and a half. But that whole sequence of events led to them losing. I don't actually don't know how it got to 17. I don't know how they got that extra field goal. Um, but, yeah, it was just a... Uh, no, it was 10 seconds. Oh, it has been a long day. Jesus. 10 and Extra point to seven. They seven. make you do it after the touchdown. We'll get we'll get there as the show goes on. But yeah, <laughs> just an absolute bozo play all around. Um, and man, that, that is the that is the start of bad beats. You will hear this all year long if you're into the gambling world and as it gets more popular, you can hear more about it of like your bet is looking good for ninety-nine percent of the game and then something ridiculous happens. Uh, it's just brutal. It's heartbreaking. It's it's a big time letdown, uh, but yeah, Northwestern, you guys are bozos. My second Big Ten bozo of the week is not even a Big Ten player. This one comes to you from Natalie Finkelstein Finkelstein on Twitter. Ever heard of her? Nope, nope, me neither. She's just a random person who had one of the worst takes of all time, uh, and she got absolutely ratioed. If you're not on Twitter, ratioed means you get significantly more replies than you do likes or retweets because the replies are people arguing with you and telling you you're wrong like if people like it they're just gonna like it or retweet it so she got 98 replies and 10 likes on this this take she says she says this is on august 31st first game day um and i believe it's in reference to running up the score james franklin is a jerk i can't be a penn state football fan with him there you'd think the university would want a coach worthy of respect considering it's past dot 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 what yeah <laughs> like it's, uh i mean that's just a bad take like one bad take. you're talking about running up the score like that's that's what universities want their coaches to do they want to be dominant it's not about disrespect in the sense it's about go out that's the college win the ball standard game. these days it is it is a hundred percent and then you try to tie it into like uh a coach worthy of respect considering the past like this is two very different things there's a one of the worst sex scandals of all time like child rape and a football game like listen i i know penn state gets a lot of heat for trying to separate the two and making them two different things but like in this instance there's a football game in 2019 against idaho on the field don't make that connection man that's just so dumb yeah, yeah. Uh, what a clown. It is. So, Natalie, I'm sorry. I don't know you. You're probably a very nice person, but you are a Big Ten Bozo of the week. Uh, so that well, does I say you are not a very nice person. You might be. I don't know. Throwing out there. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take alert. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like it's it's it ties it into to the conversation about this game because there was some of that, right? Like, And, and people talked about it, uh, you know, even before the game. Like, oh, are they going to run up the score? Are they not? Like, Idaho – as a school, as a program, got almost $1.5 million from Penn State for playing this game. For us to run up the score. Yeah, that's the business side of this of football. When you play teams like this, there are contracts, and that money for Idaho, for a small athletic school, goes a long way. So, like, does it suck for the kids that are just getting beat up on? Sure, right? But, like, 
you probably know that's what you signed up for when you're playing football at Idaho. You know what I mean? Also, like, hey, play better. Yeah. If you don't want to lose 79 to 7, yeah. just yeah. be better. I don't know well, what to tell you. I mean, the like, do a better job. The competition level is just so different, but also, like... Yeah, but, our, like, you could lose 50 to nothing. Sure, sure. But I, I think the other part, too, is, like, <laughs> is, like, our starters were out. Most of our starters were out by halftime. Like, it was the yeah. Will Levis show for a while. And then, like I mentioned earlier, there were true walk-ons playing like people that could be playing at your school people that could be playing at lower schools and we were just running the ball like levis levis threw some passes like in third quarter by the fourth quarter it was literally just run the ball run the ball run the ball and then like third down they would throw short passes yeah the only thing that franklin did that you could construe as being unsportsmanlike was going for it twice on fourth down when we were up like 58 nothing (laughs) yeah yeah okay i was was like okay yeah and i'll give you that but like I, he he's always said too. Like, at the end of the day, that's also making a difference of a couple of points. Sure, it's not like we're not going to get a field goal there, right? And I think too, it's it's also like, you know, you take this opportunity one treat like any other game. If it was another game and you had that situation, forget about the score, but that down and distance at that part in the field, like what would you do? Those are valuable reps. You know what I mean? So like, uh, yes, it's sure. If you want to call those, plays not, not to mention like, the purpose of this game for Penn State. The, per- the whole purpose of this game for Penn State is it- it's a tune-up game. It's for them mm-hmm. to figure out how to run their offense against a team that they really don't have a risk of losing in front of. Yeah. So what's more valuable to them, to trot out the field goal team and kick one through the uprights or to learn what you're supposed to do in a two-minute offense yep. on fourth down with a couple of yards? That's the value of this game. Yeah, I completely agree. And And one thing that made a lot of rounds on Twitter too is like how poorly the SEC performed against bad teams this week. Um, and again, Idaho is FCS. I'm not. I'm not saying it's apples to apples. They were FBS last year, but uh, some lesser teams: uh, Missouri lost to Wyoming, Tennessee, who everyone talks hot shit about, lost to Georgia State. What? And then Ole Miss yeah. lost to Memphis. So, like, listen, you you want to talk about? Well, you shouldn't run up the score. Listen, man, these are tune-up games. Every team has them. Every big team has tune-up games. That's what you're supposed to do. Would you rather be one of these teams that's sitting there and getting beat? Like, no, of course not. And I think for yeah. me, like, if, if this game if this game was 35-7, to 7, I would have considered that, like, ooh, that's a rough start. Like, I would not be happy with that. Yeah, but like, oh, the offense really should have played much better. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we should, we should be able to put up 35 points against, like, an Indiana. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, yes. So, for anyone who actually has a problem with this, like, I don't know, go kick rocks or something. Like, you're just not a fun person. <laughs> All right. So, let's move in. Let's start. Uh, I think we're just, yeah, we're going to go through the phases, talk about some things that, that came up with each one. So, let's start with the offense. First storyline is obviously Sean Clifford making his first start. What were your, uh, what were your initial thoughts on Cliff? Um, started on, there was some, some shakiness in the early goings. He was definitely nervous. Um, but there were some great plays like that first touchdown to KJ was absolutely perfect. You know, on the run, just dropped it in exactly where it needed to be. Um, made another great touchdown throw to KJ, sort of a back shoulder turnaround. Um, the, really the one thing, like there were probably like two things you didn't love seeing out of him was the tendency to overthrow the ball a couple mm-hmm. of times. I think that's mostly just, you know, first game as a starter. Yeah. Jitters. And then on the play where like Pat Fryermuth got hurt, Right. Um, he put him in a very dangerous situation there, made a made a throw he shouldn't have made and then didn't really make it perfectly, which if you're going to make that throw, it's got to be perfect. And, like, thank God Pat didn't actually get hurt. It's just, like, as long not as worth know. the risk of keeping yeah. him in at that point. Yeah. Um, but, like, that that because that's a play that could lead to him being seriously injured. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with, with pretty much everything you said there. So Cliff's final stat line. But other than that, he was great. Yeah, final stat line, 14 for 23, 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, which I love. Like, he had some really yeah. errant throws in the beginning, like you said. And I think of them, a lot of them were jitters. Like, he missed he missed Fryermuth wide open, like, middle of the field streaking, just sailed yeah. it. Uh, he missed, I think it was Daniel George on the out route, just threw it, like, way into the sideline. I think that's first game nervousness. I'm not worried about that. Um, what I thought was cool, too, also seven rushes, 57 yards. Um, his long yeah. 25. He showed some good legs. Like, again, I think we all know it's not going to be Trace running, and, and that's okay. They're different quarterbacks, but he he showed he's got the athleticism that he can make a play when he needs to. There were a couple of those, you know, 10 yards, 8 yards, 7 yard runs. Like, I really, really liked. Um, 
agree with the throws to KJ. The first one, the first one was really nice because he bought uh, he bought some time and kind of like threw like leaping forward, which was kind of nice. KJ was wide open though, so that one was really just by the time let the route develop. And even if he coach. wasn't, it, I, the second one, that little back shoulder in the corner, I thought was a beauty. Um, you know, KJ beat his man enough. The safety over the top wasn't going to get there. It was just a really nice throw, touchdown, perfect. Um, yeah, I think some of the other things early on. So the first drive. Um, they botched, uh, he botched that handoff. Um, you know, it was one of those, uh, read options, uh, where if he hands it to Ricky, easy touchdown. Uh, I think, you know, 10 times out of 10 going forward, he sees that D lineman coming into his face and he does that. He hands it off, but was a little nervous, probably made the decision a little bit too late and then kind of fumbled it, but we were able to pick it up, still get the three. Um, but overall I liked what I saw from him. I liked, uh, I loved the emotion. I loved when he was on the sideline, um, kind of, you know, helping out, instruct the younger guys, like. I think that's just as valuable in a sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm happy that he got a lot of reps, saw a lot of different looks, made some mistakes, and we you know, were able to take him out pretty early on um, because I, I think that's super, super important to get to get Levis those reps but also let Sean be the guy. So, yeah, very, very happy. Um, KJ, we've kind of talked about him. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, he's your, he's your ball or your lion. A um, couple of touchdowns led the team in receiving yards. I loved the jet sweep. Um, I, I think it's something that he's just super dangerous with. Uh, I think it was Ricky Slade had a sick block on that play, um, cutting someone on the inside um, that let KJ get around. So he's, he's clearly going to be a huge weapon for this offense, and they want to get him involved in every way. Um, anything else on KJ, though, that, that you saw that we haven't touched on? Uh, KJ actually had some strong blocking performances during the game, too. I don't remember the exact plays, but I do remember a couple of running plays where KJ threw some some nice blocks out there. You know, he's he's aggressive, he's physical. He's not you know, afraid. I like to see man. that. He's just he's a team guy. You know, he's not like one of these. You know, you get a lot of the stereotypes like the prima donna receiver. All they care about is getting the ball. That is not KJ Hamler. And I think we found out it's also uh, not Justin Shorter because yeah. he ran down the field to make some uh, block on that big run, that big eight, like 81 yard run or whatever. Yep. Yep. From, uh, from Devin Ford, my guy who we'll get to in a minute. Um, yeah, with KJ, I think, so his final stat line, four receptions, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and he had the one run for 16. Um, the only thing that I don't like, and this isn't on KJ, but just, you know, systematically, I don't think I like him at punt returner. Um, not because he can't do it, but because I like, I'm scared. Every time he, he got that ball and like tried to make something out of nothing. I'm like terrified. I don't, I don't know why. Like I, I don't worry if he's going to get hit, if he's going to like cut the wrong way. Like I know it's like a ridiculous fear, but I don't know. I think I'm, I, I think I'm so much more comfortable with him as a kick returner than a punt returner, even though I think kick return is probably more dangerous because it's more full speed. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's like a weird, weird thought that I have early on. What yeah, that's, that's actually kind of what I was going to say, is that uh, I'd be more afraid to have him as the kick returner than the punt returner. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and I think, I think the, like, the science and the stats back that up, and that's like the most injury-prone play in all of football is kickoffs. Um, but yeah, I don't know, something about him, him being back there for punts and like having to dance around. And maybe it was just because the guy was such a shitty punter and we didn't get to see him like really take one. Um, but that worried yeah. me a little bit. So again, I'll be interested to see how they, how they rotate going forward. Um, but you mentioned the 81 yard run. Let's talk about the running backs. So we knew this was going to be a committee. We knew that all guys were going to get to play. All guys fucking balled out. Not just four, five. Shout out my guy, Nick Yuri. But uh, let's see. Devin Ford led in yards with 107. Uh, Noah Kane had 44. Uh, Journey Brown had 38. And Ricky Slade only had nine. We'll get to that in a minute. But everyone scored, right? Uh, Noah had two. Journey had two. Ricky had one, Devin had one, gorgeous 81-yard run, and uh, Nick Yuri had one. So what stood out to you most about these running backs, these lawn boys? I mean, Journey Brown really stood out to me. With I, He just was great. That speed that he's got, he really broke out today. Uh, James Franklin talking a lot in the preseason about, you know, don't forget about Journey Brown. Well, he did not forget about Journey Brown this game. Yeah, he looked awesome. Um, looked really, really good. And he's been the forgotten guy, not even just this season, but in general. Like, I mean, if you remember like two years ago, it was, you know, people were talking about well, Saquon and we got Miles and Ricky Slade's up next. And people were like, well, we got this Journey Brown dude too. He's pretty good. Um, and he looked the part, man. He did. He made some really nice reads, good vision, the speed. Um, 
yeah, it's it's hard to to say anything else. His long was twenty three. Um, he looked he looked like the real deal. Uh, Ricky, I will say, is interesting. Five carries, nine yards, and the one being that touchdown, which was a five yard run. So his four other carries were only four yards. It's a little concerning. Um, you know, it's game one. It takes takes everyone a little bit of time to get going. But when you see the other three kind of going off, it makes you wonder a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I this was one of our Twitter questions. Who sent this yes. one in? I believe it was CJ. CJ Scalzetti CJ. said, uh, is it possible uh, that Ricky is the odd man out? Yeah, so I, I don't think so. I think that just we went up so big so fast that we – took our first stringers out before Ricky ever really got a serious chance at it. I think that's all it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually fair. And I think, uh, I think to, to CJ's question, shout out CJ, um, said, could Slade possibly be the odd man out in the running back rotation? Like, no, I don't think so. I think, I think that is like week one kind of overreaction. Um, and again, I thought it too. That's not a knock on CJ. Um, but I think you look at Devin Ford with that 81-yard touchdown, which was gorgeous. You look at Noah Kane, just a bruiser up the middle. You look at Journey doing all the good things he's doing. It, it kind of is that like, well, hey, maybe we had it wrong. I think you see, I think you see Ricky as more of a true lead back in the next game. Um, and, and again, they're, they're not going to stop rotating. Like they're absolutely going to rotate. Um, I, I would be super interested to see if Journey um, eclipses Ricky. I don't think Ricky's the odd man out at all, but I, I would be very interested to see if they lean on Journey more than Ricky um, and then rotate them all in kind of that way. That would be interesting to me. Yeah, I think maybe, but I think also potentially James Franklin kind of, like, it was. this is the kind of game where Ricky doesn't really need to get the reps because yeah. he's going to be the one getting most of them in the future. So it's like spread it out now while we have the opportunity. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah, and the confidence boost for both true freshmen, Noah Kane and Devin Ford, in a game like this where – you know they got a chance to do some good things is is invaluable. Um, so let's talk about my guy Devin Ford for a minute. I have said this all summer long because everyone's been on the Noah Kane train, um, and Noah Kane is fantastic too. But I've said don't sleep on Devin Ford. The kid is super talented. Uh, so he breaks off an 81 yard run, um, which was just beautiful. Like he you know got a block or two early on, got through the first and second level, and then just took off. And to your point, Justin Shorter sprinting down the field because it actually did look like Devin's running out of gas when he got towards like 20 ish. Um, he could. Yeah. So it, it looked pretty damn good for, for Justin shorter to be running all the way down the field, blocking his guy or whoever was there rather to, to kind of secure that. So pretty awesome. Um, and it actually, um, it kind of reminded me that Justin shorter block kind of reminded me of Chris Godwin in the Rose bowl. So there was that play, um, there's the play that Saquon made like a million people miss, and Godwin was sprinting down the field, blocking for him as well. That kind of reminded me that of Shorter, and like, you know, yeah, that's the kind of effort that gets you noticed by the coaches, that gets you more playing time, that gets you scouts looking at you in the future. Like, that's that's important stuff that doesn't always get the, the shine that it should. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm excited to see, like, just Justin Shorter in general this year, um, and I... I, 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 to me, that looks like he's hungry, you know, and I yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so touching on the wide receivers quick, I think that covers everything for the running backs. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's very optimistic to know that we have that much talent in the running back room. Excited to see how it plays out. Um, wide receivers. Yeah. KJ was, was dominant. Shorter looked good. Three catches, 36 yards. Uh, Daniel George had two for 28. Weston Carr, uh, the transfer had three for 27. He almost broke one that looked really good. Uh, Cam Sullivan Brown had two for thirteen. Um, I think that's all the wide receivers. But yeah, a lot of uh, I, what I think was crazy in this game is there were so many different guys that caught the ball. Like there was there was just everyone that was on the field. We were throwing it around. No one besides KJ really like completely stood out. But solid game for the wide receivers. I didn't I didn't notice many drops, if any. I think one drop might have been Devin Ford. Okay. Okay. That was it. Um, but yeah, I don't think any wide receiver dropped a pass. Uh, this was the kind of game where it was like, again, it's one of those things. Not every guys who aren't going to be able to get the reps throughout the season can be able to get it today. So spread yep. it out, spread the wealth while we have this opportunity. Yep. Like everybody and their brother got a reception. Yeah, seriously. Game. I think we had, I mean, it was like 13, 14 different guys that caught a ball. Um, yeah. so I just rattled off all the wide receivers. You guys switch over to tight end real quick. Friar had one for 25. 
Uh, Zach Kuntz had one for eight. True freshman Brenton Strange had one for four, which was a touchdown. Yeah. Um, not a great pass by Will Levis on that one, but what Strange was able to Strange, yeah. wrangle it in. Nice, nice little run there. Um, so yeah, not much to talk about on the tight ends. You, you mentioned it earlier with Pat. Um, you know, taking that shot to the head. We haven't heard anything. Uh, Franklin's press conference today. Somebody asked him about it, but as always with injuries or you know off the field stuff, he just doesn't talk about it. So um, he looked fine on the sideline too. I, I think he'll be fine. Like he's still listed on the depth chart, you know, number one. So I, I think he'll be fine. But it's always kind of a scary moment. Um, and then let's wrap up the offense. Offensive line. I will. I will let you have the floor first because you know, this is your, this is your topic. What do you think? Yeah. They play, hey, zero sacks. That's what I like to see. They played great, man. They yeah. played really well. And again, no complaints. I, I don't care if it's an inferior opponent. They played really well. Um, I loved the rotation. I, I kind of I talked in the preview about how I wasn't sure if I liked it, but I loved it. Having Thorpe and Miranda rotating at guard, having Des Holmes in uh, kind of spelling them at tackle for those reps where it was first team. Like it just they looked fresh, and like we've seen that with. Uh, We've seen that with the D-line for years. Uh, Coach Spencer loves rotating his guys. Um, I, I kind of like it. And I, I do think, you know, you get down the stretch into Big Ten play, you'll find out, like, what your, like, starters are, and you'll have less of that rotation. But I think it works really well for right now. Um, and one guy I want to call out, Caden Wallace, true freshman, uh, was playing in there at tackle towards the end of the game. He looked damn good. This kid is so big, so powerful. It's, like, it's crazy to me that, they are planning on playing him all year. Because, like, there was another offensive lineman, true freshman, that got in, uh, Sal Wormley, I think is his name. But Caden Wallace, like Franklin has said, like, we're going to play this guy all year. He's not, like, he's burning his red shirt. Franklin has been, like, on record saying he doesn't believe offensive linemen should be playing until their second or third year because it takes so much time to develop, to build strength, to understand technique. And, like, this kid is just coming in and will be a contributor. That, to me, is just so fucking impressive. Yeah, it's uh, so there's this unfortunate thing when you're an offensive lineman where if you do a great job, like you have the perfect game, like basically our line did zero sacks. They had as close to a perfect game as we could ask for. And like all you can really say about it is like, yeah, you did your job. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. There is no like great outstanding thing that we got to see out of them. Yep. But what they, that's unfortunately the nature of being an offensive lineman, but they did do a great job. Yeah, and that's a good thing. If we're not talking about you a whole lot, that's a good thing. Um, so shout out O-line, really, really cool. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for the offense. So let's flip to defense. Uh, like we said, almost pitched the shutout. Um, and I, I don't even care about that one touchdown. Like, I do. I, I'm more upset about it than I should have been in the moment. Yeah. But, like, again, our third and fourth stringers were in at that point. You know, they had incredible field position. It is what it is. For 99% of the game, this defense looked <laughs> as advertised. Um Franklin said it's possibly the fastest he's ever seen. It's one of the most dominant he's ever seen in his time at Penn State. Uh, and they lived up to it. D-line looked incredible. My guy, Yitor Gross Matos, uh, two and a half sacks. Last season, oh. he had eight. So, well on pace. Um, John Reed with an interception. So many young and guys a sack. playing. And a sack. John Reed had a sack? What did I miss yep. that one? Damn. One sack, one interception. Must have been grabbing a beer during that. Um so many young guys played. So much rotation on the defense. Uh, like, I don't have a ton really to talk about just because it's like everything was good. But yeah, how about that uh, hammer that Brandon Smith threw down? Oh, my. Yes. How could I forget, dude? This shit went so viral. With so the Holy much. Spirit and the C.J. Thorpe. <laughs> it was an incredible hit. Like, this CJ, listen, the C.J. Thorpe reaction is amazing. Like, he just drops to his knees, possessed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Bob Mennery did his commentary on it. It was all over, like, all the different, like, you know, parody accounts with, with funny captions. But, like, that hit was fucking brutal. Like, do, like, don't let the reaction take away from that hit. Brandon and clean. Smith, yeah, very clean. That was the one they, they reviewed for targeting, right? Mm -hmm. um, super clean. Led with the shoulder. No, no issue. Um, but Brandon Smith, again, you know, first game, true freshman, five-star recruit, like, looks as advertised. Like, I know, I know it's Idaho. I don't care. Like, the kid was playing. He was so fast, sideline to sideline. Like, sure, there's going to be things that he'll – you know, need to learn about instincts and reads and all this. But, like, I, I think you do see a similar um, a similar treatment, last, like, with Micah last year. Like, I don't think – like, Brandon Smith, I don't think he's going to be a starter this year. I think there's just too much depth. But, like, I think you're going to see him out there a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, a lot of young guys in the secondary. Keaton Ellis got some good reps. Joey Porter Jr. 
Um, some other guys, Trent Gordon was out there. Um, just just guys that need to get those reps. Um, but I loved how many true freshmen were out there for sure. Um, Jason Owe, another one that looked really, really good. Um, he had a sack as well. Uh, Shaka Tony, my guy. I loved, absolutely loved the look on defense where they slid Yitor inside and had Jason Owe and Shaka flanking on the outside. That to me was just awesome. Like they, I think it was a, I think it was a nickel or a dime package. They had a bunch of extra DBs in, so they were just rushing those three. But the first time they did it, led to one of Yitor sacks. Like the the guard just didn't know what to do with him. The speed on the outside was just crumbling, and it was it was awesome. So I'm I'm excited to see a lot more a lot more of that. Yeah, this was one of those like defensive performances that it's it's almost like everyone they did so well as a unit, almost nobody stood out. Yeah. Yeah, like Micah, Micah seemingly the tackles were so evenly spread throughout the whole team. Yeah, yeah, Micah Parsons like one tackle, I think. Yeah, and it's not it's not because he didn't play well. It's just like just because everyone did. The team was swarming. Yeah, so we look at yeah we look at sacks. Etor had two and a half. John Reed had one. You were correct. Uh, Jason Oa had one. Daniel Joseph had one. Shaka Tony had one, and Windsor had a half. So that gives you seven total sacks. yeah, this team, this defense is really, really good. Uh, I, I, I think, I think we're gonna see this as a theme. You, it was one of your predictions. We're gonna, I think we're, you said we're gonna lead the Big Ten in sacks. Was that it? Lead the Big Ten, yeah. Yeah, I, I think. I didn't see that. Yeah, every every the past couple of years we've been up there in like the national rankings of sacks. I, I think you're gonna we're see that fourth continue. in the past two seasons. Yep, there's just too much talent on this D line. I think you're gonna see these wild dogs eat. Um, yes, sir. Okay, so let's move on to special teams. This is probably going to be a short episode, guys. When it's a, when it's a fucking shit pumping, this is how it goes. Uh, yeah. Special Not teams. Much to complain about. So yeah. this is uh, there's a lot to talk about here, but I actually want to talk about um, Jake Penninger versus Jordan Stout. So we do have a, we had a Twitter question here. Um, who asked this one? Uh, Shane London said, it's a one-game sample, but does Jordan Stout become the first option over Jake Pinniger? Uh, I was talking with some friends on this, too. Shout out Tony Black. You might have seen him in the New Joke Reaction video. Uh, Pat was traveling, hanging out with Tony. He was there for it. Um, we had this conversation. So we were talking about, basically, and I think, Pat, you even told me this on Twitter, they're going with yeah. Jordan Stout for anything over 50 right now, and Pinniger gets anything mm-hmm. under 50. Where Correct. Did, you, did you hear that from somewhere? Yeah, so I had the benefit of watching this at home mm. so I could hear all the things the announcers were saying. Nice, okay. And yeah, they said Franklin told the media that Stout is the guy for 50 and over. Pinnaker is, is, is under 50. Got it. Yeah, so so again, my friend Tony. So confirmed by James Franklin. Yeah, confirmed. That's a great source. That's a pretty good source. Um, <laughs> so Tony posed the question. Uh, he asked, you know, like, okay, like, so let, let's pretend this is middle of the season. This is a big game, right? You've got, we're at Ohio, or, you know, we're playing Ohio State or Michigan or something like that. Um, game's on the line. Pinnegar has been three for three, four for four on field goals, but all from, like, the 30-yard range. We need a 52-yarder to win it. Do you bring in Stout, cold, who hasn't kicked, or do you go with the hot leg in Pinnegar? Like, I think that creates such a ridiculous decision. What's, what's your thoughts on that? It hypothetical? does. But also, the other thing you have to remember is, I don't think there's going to be a situation where Stout is completely cold because he is doing kickoffs. Yeah. So he's not. He's never. He's never going to come in just like totally off the bench, no action. No, that that's very fair. But at the same time, they're two very different things, right? Like they are. You know, it's completely different game. So like, I get. I, I guess. But like the, the leg is warmed up at least. Sure, sure. I, I I guess the first question is, do you think Franklin rides this all season, or do you think, to Shane's question on Twitter, do you think Stout becomes the guy? Um, I don't think it's necessarily Stout's position to become. I think it's just whoever ends up. I think it's whoever Ed gives him the stronger performance. They end up being the guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like if Pinnegar is just money from 50 and in, if he like doesn't miss a field goal, probably helps. But if yeah. Stout is just nailing all these like 52 yarders and Pinnegar, you know, misses a couple 30 something yarder here and there, maybe you start to see Stout take all of them. Yeah, because I think my concern to, to that hypothetical is like we get into that position where there isn't a clear there isn't a clear guy, right? And like Pinnegar's your short range guy. He's been great all game, and then you need a long field goal. Because what what my problem is, 
if we get into that situation, no matter what the choice is, if he chooses to stick with the hot leg and let Pinnaker try the 52, or if he chooses to bring in Stout because he's the long guy, if either one of those guys misses in that scenario, that's the biggest headline of all time. James Franklin continues poor decision-making, you know, rides with, rides with his kicker who hasn't tried a 50-plus in his whole career. What was he thinking? Or brings in a guy who, who didn't kick all game when his other guy was four for four. What was he thinking? Like, it just creates this yeah. unnecessary decision. Um, like, if the guy makes it, yeah, of course, or, you know, it's a good decision. But I, I, I'm very curious because I feel like, I mean, this almost reminds me, it's obviously completely different because it's kickers, but it almost reminds me of the, was it Matt McCoy and Rob Bolden years ago? Of like, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one, you know? Because they were, they were constantly yeah. rotating those guys in and wouldn't make a decision early on. Um, speaking of Jordan Stout, the guy is the man. Like, I'm instantly a big fan of his. 13 for 13 touchbacks. That's impressive. You like seeing it. It's, I mean, it's just, it's such a weapon to take that facet of the game for kick returns away from the other team. Um, and I mean, you look at just improvement from last year, Rafael Cheka, walk on kicker who handled kickoff duties, he had 37 touchbacks all year. <laughs> or I'm sorry, Stout had 13 this game. Like, it's just, it's, it's really, really interesting to see how much impact a guy can have. Like, day one, um, obviously, he's our kickoff kicker secured. Drilling a 52 just like like it was no big deal. It had plenty of room. Like that was impressive too. Yeah. So my yeah. my guess is that this this whole thing is like a good way to decide who wins the job outright. Yeah. You you let each guy show like do their strength. They each get in game uh, reps, which is obviously more important than just kicks on air. And yep. chances are one of them isn't gonna perform as well as they need to. Right. True. True. Um, yeah, and I'm happy for Pinninger. Like He looked really good, too. I mean, he had, uh, what do you have, two or three, I think? Um, yeah, two for two. Uh, his long was 38, and then he was 10 for 10 on extra points. So, I mean, he had 16 of our 79 points. He had a good game, Like, and I, I would love for Pinninger yeah. to succeed, too. I just, like I said, I'm, I'm nervous about like that unnecessary decision if you don't commit to like one guy. Um, but we'll see. My guess is by the time we get to that kind of game, like in Ohio State, there's going to be one guy. Yeah, let's hope. Fingers crossed. Um, only other thing on special teams, uh, we, we kind of touched on it, but for returns, um, I think we only had one kick return. It, it wasn't even a real return. Uh, Jesse Lucada is credited with the return for zero yards. Uh, and then KJ, KJ had four punt returns for 28, um, with one of those being 25. So his other three went for three yards. Uh, and Hippenhammer four for 13 with the fumble. So not a lot to see out of the punt return game, but I'm going to blame it on the kicker, the Idaho punter. Like, you, you can't you can't evaluate the return game when that's what you're getting. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, yeah, so that wraps up, uh, you know, the game portion. Let's go to our, our Twitter questions. We do have some. Thanks, as always, for the guys uh, writing in. Uh, so we already talked about CJ's of... Uh, could Slade possibly be the odd man out? Short story, no, we don't think so, um, but but we'll see. He also said uh, the, pass ru- the pass rush will be filthy. It's not a question, it's more of a comment, but we appreciate it and, and agree wholeheartedly. But it will be. Wholeheartedly. Uh, I said, I think I really like them rotating in Holmes and Miranda and think it will be, it will continue well into the season. Talked about that as well, um, you know, with the offensive line. Uh, and then one of his questions is, what were you most surprised by in this game? What was I the most surprised by in this game? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I would say probably Ricky Slade's lack of action. That was surprising to me. Um, as well as Pat Frymuth's lack of early action because he was such a favorite target last season. Uh, but it, it was neither of them seemed like a big deal to me. I just thought they would be guys who would kind of ball out in this first game, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um yeah, surprising is tough because I think a lot of it was surprising just because of the nature of the game. Like, did I did I yeah. really think all four running backs were going to yeah. go off? No. Did I want it to happen? Yes, of course. Like, we, we've been hyping that up. Did I really think all four of them were going to have, like, every single one of them score? Two of them scored twice? No, probably not. So that was pleasantly surprising. Um, and I think for me, honestly, like, we just talked about it, but Jordan Stout with the touchbacks, that to me, 
Like, I, we heard it all season that this kid has a massive leg and can do it and can do it. But, again, 13 out of 13, like, that's just so impressive to me. Um, so I think that was probably the most surprising. Uh, let's move on to the Buckeye yep. Blitz. A uh, friend of the program was on our show last year, uh, runs an Ohio State Twitter account. I don't know if the podcast still exists, but uh, we chatted with him last year. Uh, can you identify Idaho on the map? I can. Yeah. It looks like uh, like three quarters of it is a square, mm-hmm. and then like one part of it is very skinny and tall. Yeah, it goes up into that and little it's needle. It's like in the most identifiable shape, state shapes, I think. So, yes, we can very I much can find identify. Um, also, usually when you look at a map, all the states have names on them, so it helps. <laughs> well, I imagine this was if they didn't have the name on them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we are just showing off our Penn State academics here. Uh, Buckeye Blitz, I don't think a lot of your people could identify it. Um, he says, are you a drum or a wing person? Get the Buffalo joke. I'm a drum guy. Uh, dude, absolutely. Like so many people have battled me on this for so long that, that the wings are more meat and it's easier to eat. I don't think so, man. No, the drum is easier to eat. Are you kidding me? hundred percent easier to eat. The wings out there, they have those two bones they got to get between. Yeah, you got to like slide it. No, I can't do that. I'm drum guy all the way. Uh, that's a reference to Buffalo. We're playing Buffalo next week. Uh, and then he says, what's the best tailgate beer? Um, I mean, we talking about like for me to drink today or when I was actually tailgating in college? Uh, let's go both. If you're out to tailgate today, what's your beer? Tailgate today. See, pre, but you don't want to get too full on beer at a tailgate. Right? That's the yep. thing. Yep. You don't want something too heavy. Yeah. So although it's not even close to being like one of my favorite beers, I go, my, my, I want to go with like a Mick Ultra. Okay. Just pound some Mick Ultras. It's a little softer than I would have expected, but I'll give it to you for, for your logic. Well, I you know, you know I'm, I'm, an, like I'm an IPA drinker guy, a pale ale. But yeah, yeah I'm not. I, like I said, if, if I want to pound a bunch of beers while I'm eating a lot of food, I could do some Mick Ultras. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take your man card on that one. But <laughs> um, wow. that, for logic reasons, I agree with like the lighter beer, but if, uh, I'll probably go with, like a PBR or like just classic Bud Light or something. Like, I don't know. Mick Ultra seems like you're trying too hard to go light. Um, okay, when you're I in college. When was the last time you had a Mick Ultra? I don't know. That's actually a really good question. I feel like they're, they're the commercials that they talk about. Like, the, they're so low in calories and women love them and they're good for this. And I don't know. Um, if, you're in, if you're in college, what's your tailgate beer? There's only one answer here. The most natural of all lights. It's a natural light, baby. Come on. If you are in college. And I need some show, natural light. If you're in college and listening to the show and you're not drinking Natty Light, you fucked up. Okay, I, listen, I'm a big supporter. Right I'm a big fan, big fan of White Claws. Don't don't bring them. Drink your Natty Light. Big fan of like you know trying to like outkick your coverage, pay a little extra, buy something nicer. Nope, get your Natty Light. One, it's light. Yeah. Two, it's refreshing. Three, saves room for the buff chick dip. So make it happen. Drink your Natty Light. This episode brought to you by Natural Light. <laughs> um, all right, uh, last Twitter question actually came in 10 minutes ago while we're recording. comes from Sweens. Uh, says, do you see the four running back rotation continuing all season? And how many snaps do you think Brandon Smith takes per game? I think yes to the um, running back question. I think the four running back will – you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think the four running back rotation will continue somewhat. I think some games maybe you'll see like three of them. I don't – you're, you're never going to be able to get four guys significant touches every game, but we'll see like some rotation of the four of them throughout all the games. Yeah, is probably how it's going to go. With still like Ricky and Journey kind of leading the way, um, and then Brandon Smith uh, maybe average twenty snaps a game. Yeah, I think I think he'll be up there. I like I said, I think I think you see him as the season progresses to play more and more, kind of like Micah did. Um, it's tough because like if it, like they have him playing the outside right now, so he's not going to take over for Micah or Cam Brown. That's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. If they if they shift him to the middle, maybe he surpasses Jan Johnson. But like otherwise, uh, yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be. I said that last season; it did not happen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, Sweens, thank you for the question. I almost wish we ended on the tailgate topic because that was fun. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to get to a tailgate this year. Um, Hopefully we can get out there, meet some of the people that listen to the show. We've interacted with a lot of you guys um, who have talked about that, which would be super, super cool. Um, and yeah, we have Buffalo coming up this week. So we will have a preview coming out later this week. Um, this episode we are recording and Tuesday. Chris. Huh? 
I've got some. Don't forget, I've got some wrestling. Oh moves. fuck, wrestling! I always forget about wrestling. The big, um, so the big have... wrestle off was yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's let's do that right now. Wrestle off, go. Okay, so yesterday I, I talked about in the last episode briefly. Um, if you missed it, an independent arbitrator came in after the controversy of Yanni Zayn at Final X, uh, nullified match two. They had to re wrestle on Monday, Labor Day at. Uh, Wilkes-Barre College in the gymnasium in front of a sold-out crowd just for these two guys. That's it. And so basically what had to happen was Zayn has to win one match, Yanni has to win two. That will decide who makes it on the national team. First match rolls around, and the thing that you just didn't think would happen, happened. It was just a low-scoring affair. The Zayn train of pain comes to town, and he wins the match 2-1. to one. Damn! Yes. So he is, and he's the guy. Only point. Yeah, he's the guy. He's our guy. He's officially on the U.S. national team, uh, going to Kazakhstan in later this month for the uh, World Championships. Nice. Uh, he actually ass. he held Yanni scoreless. Wow. Uh, Yanni's only point was off a challenge that Zayn lost. So okay. that's pretty damn good. And huh? it would it was the most exciting two to one match you'll ever see. Though Yanni was really he was the uh, kind of aggressor. He would start the action, but Zayn just did a great job defending all of his shots, and then he would kind of reattack, get in on Yanni's legs. But Yanni has this insane leg defense once you're in on him, so Zayn would get in deep, and if he couldn't finish right away, he would just kind of sit there and not let Yanni score. He wrestled a very intelligent match. Uh, it was, it was just like it was a real chess match. Yeah, and it was, it was so exciting to watch. It was like on the edge of the seat the whole time. Zayn scored very early, and then just held on to this lead the whole time. It was it was something else. Just the way he was, a the way Zayn was able to totally shut down Yanni's offense, and then to watch Zayn get in on these crazy deep shots, and Yanni do these and unbelievably like acrobatic athletic moves to stop Zayn from finishing. It was all just insane. That's awesome. So if anyone out there is a wrestling fan, you were in for a treat on Labor Day weekend. That's crazy. Sold out crowd like for two dudes. That's just it's unreal. I mean, I know they're like high profile guys, and this is a huge deal in the wrestling world, but still like. You would think Labor Day weekend, people have plans. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, shout out Zane Rutherford, officially part of the U.S. national team. That's a big deal. Um, so Kazakhstan, you say? Home of Borat, I believe. Kazakhstan. Uh, yes, sir. Great movie. Underrated. If you've never seen it, go check it out. <laughs> Number one exporter of potassium. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, so that wraps it up. Uh, again, good good week one. Sure, it's Idaho, but it's a really good week one. A lot of guys got to play. You got to see a lot of good things. And definitely some things to improve on. So, uh, we have Buffalo upcoming this week. Um, this episode, uh, like I said, is dropping Wednesday. We're recording on Tuesday night. Um, and then we'll have a quick a quick Buffalo preview probably out Friday. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Hopefully, we're improving to 2-0 with another nice win. Um, they are definitely a step up from, from Idaho, but should be a win. Uh, so we'll break that down for you guys as well. Uh, keep writing in on Twitter. Keep interacting with us. We love you guys. And uh, let's go State. We are.